Take your Bibles tonight and turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Well, if you love the Lord and you're glad you're saved tonight, say amen. Amen. It's good to be saved, isn't it? Good to be saved. Good to know the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter chapter 30. We're going to read the first 10 verses. Let me just set the scene a little bit. David has spent quite a bit of time running from Saul, and he got to the point where he ran to the Philistines. He ran to the enemy. And uh, he uh, made a, a, a league with a Philistine king, and he ended up putting his whole family in Ziklag. He was heading out to battle with the Philistines, and some of the Philistine leaders were not crazy about David going to battle with them. And so they, they finally just uh, implored the king, and he, he said, okay. He said, David, you need to go back home. He went back home, and he did not find the families. He didn't find his family. He didn't find the other families. Ziklag had been burned, and all the people had been taken captive. And this is where we show up in, uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 30. Let's all stand together, if you would. And we'll read the first 10 verses. You read along silently as I read aloud. In, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 1 says, And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Did you ever cry like that? Did you ever cry so hard that you couldn't cry anymore? Well, that's what happened here in verse 5. It says, and, and David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam the, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of the people were, was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Amalek's, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the, the ephod. And Abiathar brought hither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them and and without fail, recover all. So David went, he and, and uh, the 600 men that were with him, and came to the brook Besor, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued, he and 400 men, for 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Besor. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we're, it's good to be here tonight. It's good to sing songs of praise to a God who has been steadfast and faithful and true to us. We're thankful for that. 
We're thankful, Lord, for this opportunity to, to, uh, uh, to preach the Word of God and God as, as, as it's preached. I pray that you would work in our hearts and help us to see the importance of knowing how to encourage ourselves in the Lord. As you speak to us, may our heart's desire be that we respond to you properly and rightly. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. You may be seated. This was probably a, I don't know it was the, but it was definitely a defining point in David's life. Uh, <clears throat> David, David uh, was being threatened with stoning. The, the men got together, the people were, the men were disgruntled and, uh, because their families had been taken and they were about ready to revolt. They were about ready to, to uh, go up against David. David was all alone. I mean, it wasn't like he had a friend to lean on at this point. It wasn't like he was getting encouragement from anybody. Nobody was encouraging him. He was all by himself, and he was about to be stoned. Yet David knew how to do something. And, and you, can, you can see this. You can see this process. As you go into the book of Psalms and you read prayer after prayer after prayer that David made to God, uh, David knew how to encourage himself in the Lord. And, and quite frankly, it's, we're in a very, any one of us are in a very dangerous position when we get to the place where we always need external encouragement in order to keep on for God. There, there has to come a point in your Christian life where you can encourage yourself in the Lord without anything external encouraging you, without any friend saying that they're praying for you. I'll, I'll guarantee you, there wasn't a person here in the whole group that was praying for David that day. They were ready to stone him. They were mad at him. They were upset because he, from their standpoint, he had put uh, their, their families in jeopardy. And, and because of that, uh, they were ready to stone him, and it says, and it, it, the thing that is amazing to me is how succinctly God puts things, and, and if, you're not, if, you're not so, if you're not careful, you'll just kind of gloss over some of the stuff that you find in the Word of God. But if you look in verse 6, it says, David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him. Well, if, if a bunch of folks were getting ready to kill you, you think you'd be greatly distressed? I think so. I think you'd be a little upset. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. I think that those last two words are so, so vital and so important. God was not just God. God was, was David's God. He was his God. And we're, we're, we're going to look at some, some uh, ways that possibly, and again, you know, this is speculation. I don't know exactly how David encouraged himself in the Lord. I know how he did it uh, in the book of Psalms. There, there are many different examples of that. But we're just going to look at, at some, some possible things that could have encouraged David in the Lord. First of all, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Samuel 16. 1 Samuel 16. 1 Samuel 16 tells us about 
Samuel the prophet and how that God got the message to Samuel that Saul had greatly displeased him and that, that God had chosen a replacement, chosen the next king already. And uh, so he, he, he spoke to Samuel, he told Samuel to go to the house of Jesse and, and to anoint the next king of Israel. In verse, verse 1 it says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go, I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And Saul was at that point in his life. He was, he was jealous. He was envious. He had rebelled against the Lord. And that had changed his whole thought patterns. And he was no longer the humble king. He was now the very proud king. And he knew that he would have his life in danger if, if Saul found out. It says, And the Lord said, Take an heifer with thee, and say, I'm come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do, and thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and came to Bethlehem, and the elders of the, the town trembled at his coming, and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he, sac and he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. And this is because of Eliab's stature, because of Eliab's strength and abilities. But verse 7, it says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Saul. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made, made Shammah to passed by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel, and Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto him, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in, brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to, to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now, what what... David knew because of this situation back in 1 Samuel 16, David knew that God had a purpose in his life. David knew that, that, that God had a purpose for him to be king. He was anointed that day to, be, to eventually be king of Israel. I, I find a, a, an interesting lesson here. And the, the lesson is, is just because God has called you to do something 
just because God has, has begun to work in your heart to do something doesn't mean you're ready to do the task. There's a preparation period that has to take place in order to get you ready. Was David ready to be king at this point? Absolutely not. But David knew that that was what God wanted him to do, and that was God's purpose in his life. And the trouble that he went through when he was being chased by Saul were, was, were things that God used to fulfill God's purpose. He, he used, used that trouble to prepare him, to get him ready so that one day he could become king. You find this throughout scripture. Joseph went through all the troubles and difficulties that he went through in order for God to, to make him second to Pharaoh. And when his brothers were all concerned about it, and Dad died, and they thought, "Oh boy, you know, uh, Jacob's going to or Joseph's going to come after us, and he's going to he's going to hurt us. He's going to do us harm. He's going to get back at us." Uh, he just Joseph just simply looked at him and said, "You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good," and and he he understood that there was a purpose for everything that transpired. And uh, you find this with Abraham and Isaac. When Abraham was told by God to sacrifice Isaac, he knew that Isaac was the promised seed. He knew that Isaac was the one that uh, God had promised to him and that, that all, by, by, by that seed, all nations of the world would be blessed. And uh, uh, what, what, what we see there is that when, when Abraham took Isaac to to the mount, took him to Mount Moriah. He was willing to, to sacrifice his son. You find in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 11, it tells us that he was willing to sacrifice his son because he really believed that, that uh, he was the promised one. He knew that he was the promised one. And he knew that if God asked him to sacrifice him, then he would, God would also raise him up. And so knowing what your purpose is, and knowing what God's will is for your life is, is of such importance because it's one of the things that God can use for you to be able to encourage yourself in the Lord. You need to understand, you need to have, a, have an understanding of what you're here for. You need to know what it is that God would have you to do and what, what purpose and plans that God has for you. And when you know those things, then you have confidence. You, you'll come into troubles, you'll come into trials, you'll come into roadblocks of, of every sort and shape and kind, but yet, if you know that, that God has a purpose for you and you know what his purpose and plans are, then you can continue on and you can encourage yourself in the Lord. It'll give you confidence. I'm not talking about self-confidence. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, well, I know I can do it. No, 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 no. We're not talking about that at all. We're talking about God confidence. That God has called you for a particular purpose, for a particular reason, and uh, he will fulfill it. And, you know, one of the things that David knew at this point, because the, uh, the anointing took place in chapter 16, here we are in chapter 30, and it's still not been fulfilled. So he knew that God wasn't done with him yet. There was a, years ago, uh, there used to be some, some buttons that uh, had a whole bunch of letters on them. And it had a PB, let's see, PBPGIFWMY. That's all it had on it. And what it, what it, what it, what it stood for was, please be patient with me. God is not finished with me yet. And, uh, you know, knowing that and having that, having that confidence and having that assurance 
of what God wants to do with your life will be something that you can encourage yourself in the Lord with. Second thing that you can encourage yourself in the Lord with is God's past performances. Now again, we're not talking about your past performances. We're not talking about what you have done, what I have done. We're talking about what God has done. Uh, go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel 17. This is, this is the chapter where, where the Lord uh, allows David to, to slay Goliath. And if you look at me in verses 32 through 37... He's getting ready to go out. And in verse 32, it says, And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth. And he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by the beard and smote him and slew him. I kind of like to have that one replayed uh, up in heaven. I like to see that one. And verse 36, it says, thy, thy servant both slew the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be one of them, seeing he hath defiled the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with thee. Now, what, what did David look to? He, he looked to God's past performance. Again, not his. He knew that the only reason why he got that lion and the only reason why he got that bear was because God enabled him to do it. And he also knew that if he was going to slay the Philistine, there's only one way he was going to be able to slay Goliath. And that would be by God's power. And if God did it before, he could do it again. Uh, he, um, he saw how that God uh, supernaturally uh, caused him to escape from the wrath of Saul. And that, that happened over and over and over again. There was, there was two times when right, right in the palace he tried, to, he tried to throw a spear at him and tried to kill him. And God did not allow that. He, uh, he, he was able to, to, to look back at time after time after time in his life when God had been strong on his behalf. And, and uh, he could rely on that and he could rest in the fact that God was the one who delivered him from, from past problems and he could deliver him from future problems. In Psalm 143 and verse 5, it says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. One of the things that David did a lot of, he not only meditated and mused on Scripture, but he also did so on, on the, the works of God. And when I say the works of God, not just the works of God in general, but the works of God personally in, in, in David's life. One of the things that we need to do when we're up against problems and up against difficulties is to review God's deliverances in our life. And really, uh, we ought to not just wait for those troubles to come. There ought to be times when, on a regular basis, 
when you just review in your life how good God has been to you and how, how strong he has been on your behalf and how that he has delivered you time and time and time again. And as you reflect back on those things, again, you gain confidence, but not confidence in yourself, but confidence in God. Third thing that, that uh, uh, could have been used to encourage David in the Lord were God's promises. Uh, take, take your Bible and turn to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. God told this to the, the nation of Israel just before they went into the promised land. He said in verse 7, he says, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thine mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. That was a promise that God gave to Joshua. It was a promise that there's a good possibility that David could have meditated on and could have thought on. Uh, the the, 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 the uh, truth is that David spent a lot of time meditating on, his, on, on the Word of God and that the Word of God that he had at the time. Now, again, he didn't have a whole book like we've got. He didn't have the 66 books. But what he had, he mused on. What he had, he meditated on. Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. And this is, a, this is a verse that has constantly encouraged me. Every time I read it, I get encouraged by it. 2 Peter chapter 1, and look in verses 3 and 4. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. Well, let's go to verse 2. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things and that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Now that's written to you. That's written to me. It's written to us. We have exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Uh, we need to think on the promises of God rather than spend our time thinking on the worst case scenarios, thinking on the problems, thinking about the obstacles and the difficulties that come our way. We, we, uh, we, we should do this. We should go through some questions. Uh, take your Bibles and go with me to Psalm 77. Psalm 77. Psalm 77. Look with me down in verses 6 through 9. Psalm 77, verses 6 through 9. It says, I, I, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart. My spirit made diligent search. 
Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. And Selah just means stop and think about it. Well, you know the answers to all those questions. The answer is no, 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 right straight down the line. And those are things that we need to meditate on, knowing that God's promises are true. Go with me to Psalm 103. Go to Psalm 103. Psalm 103, verse, beginning in verse 8. Psalm 103, verses 8 through 14 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. And all God's people said, Amen, 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 and Amen. Aren't you glad for that? Verse 11, For as, as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. Those are the kind of things that, that uh, uh, David could have thought on. Could have, he could have thought on God's person. He could have thought on God's promises. Just knowing that, uh, the, again, knowing that God was not, was not done with him yet. Then turn your Bibles in, in the book of Psalms. Go to Psalm 86. And I've already touched on it. The fact that, that he was confident in the person of God. He was confident in God's person. Psalm 86 and verses 5 through 7 says, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive. Boy, isn't that good to know? You know, he, he's not wanting to take your sin and beat you over the head with it. He just wants you to confess it. And if we confess our sins, the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In, in, he says, for thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. Now, I don't know if this, if this psalm was written before or after 1 Samuel chapter 30, but I know that even, 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 even before, uh, if, it was written, if it was written afterwards, he still knew that God would answer his prayer because he knew who God was. And, and, and his, his, uh, his, his understanding of, of the person of God is what got him through. Uh, go to Psalm 136. By the way, knowing that he had a purpose because of the anointing that, that he went through in, uh, in, in 1 Samuel, knowing that he had a purpose would have, would have meant nothing if he did not understand the faithfulness of the person of God. And because, because of God's faithfulness and because God was true and because uh, God was consistent, uh, he knew that, that he, could, he, could, 
he could pursue and continue on and that God was not done with him there at Ziklag. If you look in, in um, Psalm 136, look in verses 1 through 4. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. To him who alone doeth great wonders, for his mercy endureth forever. Then go down to verse uh, 23, down to the end of the chapter. It says, Who remembered us in our lowest state, for his mercy endureth forever, and hath redeemed us from our enemies, for his mercy endureth forever, who giveth food to all flesh, for his mercy endureth forever. O give thanks unto the God of heaven, for his mercy endureth forever. You know, we often talk about a, a, God, of, a God of love, but what we oftentimes forget about is that God's a God of mercy. And mercy is when God gives us favor, uh, when, when instead, of, instead of getting favor, we deserve punishment. But God gives us favor, and that's, that's his mercy. And that's who God is. God is a merciful God. And, and David knew that. And therefore, believe that God wasn't done with him and could encourage himself in the Lord. Go with me to Psalm 23. Back up to Psalm 23. You know this psalm. It's a psalm that's used a lot at funerals. It's a psalm that a lot of young people uh, in, in Sunday school and in Christian school and in home school, they, they memorize this psalm. Psalm 23, but I want you to start with me in verse 1. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still water, waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Uh, the fifth thing I believe that God used uh, to just to to encourage David was, was the fact that God was with him. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now again, I, I don't know if this was written before or after Ziklag, but it certainly applies. Was he walking through the valley of the shadow of death? Yeah, yeah, it was about to come upon him. But the thing that, that changed the course of events during that time, and this is the thing I want you to give, you don't get anything else. The thing that changed the course of events in David's life was that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Had that not happened, David could have died that day. But he knew how to encourage himself in the Lord. In fact, if you look at it, afterwards, uh, it says that he inquired of the ephod. And the ephod was what God used to, to uh, give direction and, and give specific instructions. And, and he got some direction from God. Had he not been encouraged in the Lord, he wouldn't, have, he wouldn't have gotten that direction. But he knew that God would never leave him. He knew that God would not forsake him. He knew that God was with him during that time. And that presence is what got him through. And one, one, one more thing. Uh, go to Psalm 32. Last thing that I believe that David could have encouraged himself in the Lord with is the fact that he knew about God's protection. Uh, Psalm 32, and look with me down in verse 7. Psalm 32, 7. 
He said, thou, thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. He said, listen, you're, you're my hiding place. You're my protection. You're, you're the one that keeps me. Uh, if, you, if you back up just a little bit, or excuse me, go forward just a little bit. Psalm 34. Look down in verse 4. He says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me. Now, that, that was something that David was absolutely assured of, that when he cried out to God, that his God will hear him. Now, listen, let me tell you something. You're no different than David. If you're a child of God and you cry out to your father, your father will always hear you. He'll hear you. He'll listen to you. He'll give attention to your prayer. And, and he, he, he continues in uh, Psalm 34 and verse 4. He says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Uh, he knew that God's hand was upon him. He knew that God's was, protection was upon him. Now, he knew he couldn't protect himself. There was no way he could that day. All of the men, all of the soldiers were ready to kill David. But he knew that he had a God who would protect him. You know, when, when this occurred, when this took place in, in 1 Samuel 30, it took place just before God was about to raise him up and to make him king. He became king over Judah, and then he became king over all of Israel eventually. But uh, uh, that all happened in, in the same 12-month same period of time. Uh, shortly after, the, after this situation, uh, he ended up becoming king of Judah. What if he didn't know how to encourage himself in the Lord? That's a, that's a, an exercise. It is a, a uh, thing that all of us really need to work on. It's constantly learning how to encourage yourself in the Lord. Can, can, can you look back to a time when you were down, when you were despondent, when, when it didn't look like there was a whole lot of hope? And just by spending time with the Lord, spending time in prayer, spending time possibly singing, uh, uh, spending time meditating and thinking on the promises of God, God brought you through that situation. Well, he, he did that because you understood how to encourage yourself in the Lord. Again, there's going to be times when you're going to be all by yourself. There is going to be nobody there to hold your hand. There is going to be nobody there to give you a little kick in the seat and, and get you started. There will be nobody there to, to uh, put their arm around you and encourage you. But your God is always there. What we need to know is how to encourage ourselves in him. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I thank you that I have a God who knows how to encourage me. And I have a God who has placed promises throughout your word. And Lord, you have told us about your person and about your character. And we can rely on you. Lord, it has, it has nothing to do with us and it has everything to do with you. You know, when we read that David encouraged himself in the Lord, it's the Lord who gave the, the encouragement. He knew how to get it. He knew how to tap into it. Father, I pray that you would help us to be mindful of those things. We forget sometimes that you're merciful, 
We forget sometimes because your promises are plentiful. We forget sometimes how you have delivered us in the past. And that, God, we need to be, we need to remind ourselves. And it's our responsibility to do that. It was David's responsibility to encourage himself in God. Now, it was you who did the encouraging. But, but, but he, he got that encouragement because he took the first step. It goes back to if we draw nigh to, to, to God, he will draw nigh to you. And, uh, Lord, we need to draw nigh to you tonight. We ask, God, that you'd bless this invitation. Bless what we've heard. Help us to apply it to our lives. And, God, as you speak to our hearts about specific things in our lives, may we respond to those things. And we're thankful. We're thankful tonight. You're a gracious God. We're thankful tonight. You are a merciful God. We're also thankful that you remember that we are but dust. And you treat us accordingly. Now, Lord, help us not to, to tromp or step upon your mercy, but to appreciate it and be encouraged by it. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Let's